Go for it, son. Well, how do we know that it got it? It's going. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. It's Chris and Zach from This Salon Life. That's right. We've been on hiatus for many different reasons, but one <laughs> of them being... <laughs> you make it sound like we were in rehab. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't in rehab, but we've been working on a story about Hanzo Shears. Christopher discovered on Instagram a gentleman who had been talking a lot of crap about Hanzo. We thought it was funny. We started joking around about it, and the more we dug into it, it had some meat to the story, so we decided to do more of an investigative journalistic approach approach to something yeah. instead of just sitting around talking shit. So <laughs> the next few episodes... The sound quality is still going to be bad. <laughs> but still better. But better. <laughs> uh, we're going to Chris us down with Mr. Sharp Shears, a.k.a. Avery, yeah. um, in a diner in Birmingham outside of the, the premiere show in Birmingham. Because he was not allowed in the Birmingham premiere show. Which we will discuss in the podcast, or they discuss in the podcast. At and a diner. At a diner. And then Chris and I sit down with our local Shear Sharper uh, in Georgia, old Double D. <laughs> Double D. Rick Diamond. He's been doing it. He's been in the business for about 30 years. He knows Shears. He knows a thing or two. He's seen every Shear that's, that's come into this southeast of America. So he knows a good pair of Shears when he sees it. And he knows the difference between probably any, any type of steel if he's sharpening it and uh, you know he gives his two cents about the uh, the efficacy of the Hanzo shear line and uh, you know he's he's been he's been deep into these escapades for years he actually is longer than Avery yeah yeah in 2016 he made a post on Facebook that ruffled some feathers so uh, we're just kind of giving him the microphone as well as Avery and, and letting them have their say. And so in the next couple episodes, there's a lot of technical talk about metals and, and sharpening and stuff that's over my head, <laughs> but it, it could seem a little boring and a little slow, but it's very important and it's pretty cool what we've discovered. So yeah, I think it's uh, it, it provides a lot of valuable information to hairdressers in our industry that don't often get to sit down with someone with this technical know-how and experience in the shear industry. And so, you know, if you're in the market looking for new shears, or if you just have questions about, you know, why your shears cost what they do and where they come from, these are going to be a, a good couple of episodes, very informative episodes. And they're completely opinionated pieces with some facts. Yeah. <laughs> I may have felt like it was going to be a little boring, so I went real hard on opinions. And just they're just that, <laughs> opinions. They're not facts. Yeah. Uh, they're my opinions solely. And our guest on the podcast is their opinions, but they're rooted in fact and experience. So, yeah. The main thing is we don't want to get sued. Right. I don't have any money, so... Yeah. I mean, you can sue us, but... You know, take half my bills. I could. I need less junk in my trunk. <laughs> Which is funny because we're sitting in Christopher's car, and this is true. Yeah, come and get it, <laughs> please. Clean out my truck for me. 
Anyways, without further ado, <laughs> here's a couple of new episodes for you. The Fall of Hanzo. Avery Sharp. Avery Sharp. Uh, your Instagram is Mr. Sharpshears. It was Mr. Sharpshears, but I got shadow banned on Instagram, so I changed my username to the Fall of Hanzo. All one word. Nice. Okay, so if you don't mind, we'll start off with just tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into the good stuff. All right. Uh, I am uh, a very young pup in the industry. I've been cutting hair since about 2004, but I did not get licensed as a cosmetologist until the end of, uh, I didn't complete school until the end of 2016. And it was in my during my time in school that I stumbled across the world of uh, scissor sharpening because we had a uh, sharpener that came by our school, but he was he'd answer every single question you had but he would shy away from any of the kinds of the sharpening techniques he was using. So I'm just a curious kind of person and that's what made my ears perked up. And then between the time of getting my uh, cosmetology license and going back to school for my instructor license, that's whenever uh, I stumbled into uh, scissor sharpening myself because I was made aware of this same sharpener actually had to move away from the area. So I knew that there was gonna be a demand for the service. So I invested in some of the best equipment that is available on the market and invested in some of the best training. I've been down. I've been to both Florida and up to Illinois for uh, sharpening-related training, and I've been trained by literally some of the best sharpeners in the uh, entire Western Hemisphere. And that's actually what I based my business around. And I had no affiliation to the actual scissor sales component of the situation because a lot of the sharpeners that I had seen around they sell their private label no-name scissors, which I actually came to find out they most of them. If your scissors are marked made in China or lack country of origin labeling, then there's about an 85 to 90% chance that they come from the same factory in China. The name of this factory is Ping Yang Yang He, but we'll, that's, that's kind of like a little added bonus to it. But uh, they're all mass produced there at the cost of about uh, 6 or $7 to around the $20 range. And yes, this is what Hanzo pays for their shears, but yes, this is not or no, this is not an insult to the this scissor manufacturer because they also make some of the other uh, scissors that many people use every day, and they make them for a lot of major brands. And uh, even their production costs for some of their models, even the factory costs, like I said, Hanzo's, they cost between about $6 and 20. They actually have some that extend up into the $250 range or so, and that's, and that's for their that, that's their bottom line cost on some of the models that they have, and that's why you see some of the models out of the same factory extend well into the thousands of dollars because, yes, they are some of the best scissors out there as far as the uh, Chinese market is concerned. Uh, but then whenever you start talking about scissors, you have a broad spectrum. You have the low-end Chinese scissors, which are you'll see you'll see around, and they're, they, you can usually grab them up for between about $20 and up to around the... $75 range or so 
and uh, that, that extends up into the mid-range uh, Chinese and then the high-end Chinese, which the, the high-end Chinese actually overlaps into the Japanese uh, uh, quality as far as the uh, uh, shears go. And uh, Hanzo shears are actually about low to mid-range Chinese, but they sell them at a hyperinflated cost that taps into the uh, the, the sales price for the mid to high-end Japanese shears. So that's actually the reason, or one of the reasons why the truth has been suppressed for so long. It's because the, the same people who sell the other mid to uh, high-end Chinese shears, they have to inflate their costs between 50 and 300% just to compete. And I put that compete in quotation marks with Hanzo. So in other words, these guys are getting free money because of the Hanzo uh, uh, marketing platforms. So they don't have any reason to speak up about anything whatsoever against them. And you're probably also beginning to question why the Japanese market has not been saying anything. Well, one, the Japanese market is, is, is hell-bent on like just powers gained through silence. That's one of the things that they actually market their shears on because they, they don't they don't have to go out there and market everything. They don't have to have reps knocking on doors and like telling stylists, oh, you got to buy this year, you got to buy this year because most of their sales are perpetuated through word of mouth based solely like on the quality of their shears. And uh, but unfortunately, these uh, Japanese manufacturers have also gotten free marketing from Hanzo because Hanzo stimulates the consumer market and then those uh, stylists who actually do their own research as far as the uh, metal quality and shear qualities, they figure out that uh, Hanzo is actually made in China but they don't say anything but their their money is directed toward the Japanese market so the Japanese market also gets free marketing and that's one of the reasons why they have been silent on the issue as well. And another thing you're probably starting to question is what about the uh, other products and whatnot. Why has nobody, no major manufacturer spoken out against them? But that also gets tied back into the free marketing component because Hanzo has an extremely extensive social networking uh, and educational platforms and all these other uh, product lines and uh, tool manufacturers, they get free marketing with Hanzo. So they're getting free money out of the deal so they have no reason to say anything. And then those other brands who have limited to no affiliation with Hanzo, they don't want to dirty their hands with the issue by speaking up against it because doing so could hit their bottom lines because Hanzo is extremely efficient with their marketing strategies and being able to turn people who speak out against them into their own profits because if they say if a scissor manufacturer spoke out against them they would just come back and say oh these guys are just hating on the competition oh this is bad for business oh you're you're only going to hurt your own bottom line if you do if you speak out against us and that's why we're here today is because the truth is leaking out if you have not heard it then you're hearing it now all right okay there's so much okay so let's just start with um you know what got you what got all this started all right well and, and what got this started oh it all started out with like the uh, local market because after i was made aware of the situation and circumstances i was i started trying to put information out there it started off as being indirect, and then one day I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go ahead and go full bore into this thing. Uh, I've done nothing but plaster nonstop like against Hanzo revealing the truth about them, and none of this involves any kind of defamation component because it is all based in the truth. 
and that's also why Hanzo's not initiated any kind of legal action against me because they don't have any kind of grounds upon which to do so because in doing that, they would set off multiple investigations against themselves, both with the FTC and with consumer rights issues, which could lead to uh, uh, civil uh, uh, settlements that extend beyond like most of what's ever been seen in like the hair industry because this is a multi multi million dollar scam and uh, and so I started out I was just wanting to speak out to the local market but then their local rep decided to uh, jump into the equation he started trying to make uh, threats against me these threats started off with trying to label me as harassing stylist and things like that with my local community and then he jumped up from there into false sexual harassment claims within this industry, me being a big, burly, ugly, straight dude, that would be a, uh, it could potentially have been a death blow, but unfortunately for them, he was also very drunk or not in his proper mind state because he gave me advanced notification of this. And I also turned this against them by notifying like everybody on social media that they were going to be playing this card. And sure enough, like clockwork, he pops up, up he pops up and tries to do so. And it's been going nonstop ever since that. Whenever that happened, I got even louder. Whenever you get loud against Hanzo, they have their Hanzo Nation, which is uh, a network of stylists, uh, instructors, and distributors like all across the country. These guys can come back and attack you on social media and it makes it look like it's seemingly random, even though it's a coordinated attack and a coordinated effort on, on their behalf. Because in this industry, image is everything and your reputation is everything. They will try to openly degrade, insult, and humiliate you by speaking out against them on social media. That didn't work against me. Because if you, if you pay any kind of attention to my social media accounts, their Hanzo Nation is silent now. Why are they silent? Because every time one of them would speak out against me in any shape or form, social media is well networked i would just go to their pages and start networking with the people which they were affiliated with other than surrounding stylists and whatnot and they realized that i was doing this finally even though i was literally telling that them that they may want to remain silent and speaking out against me like in public forums because it's only hitting their own bottom line they are losing money left and right and they are running and they're running trying to nurse these wounds and hide everything behind their marketing uh, campaigns. And now they've transitioned over from sales into they're trying to uh, pitch their uh, networking and uh, educational platforms. That's one of the, the, the things that they try to uh, fuel the most with their campaigns. But you have to keep in mind that these are financed through hyperinflated profit margins. So everybody wins, 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 except the stylists. The stylists are the ones who are footed the bill unknowingly. Even though they think they're getting the best thing ever, they're not. They're being overcharged, and they're putting money in these guys' pockets, and that, that's the way it's been going right now. Um, what would you say your main objectives of this campaign are? You, know, you want to educate the stylists and let them know that one, they're being lied to about the quality and type of steel mm -hmm. that they're getting, right? Yep. And so, um, I would say, to me, that's one of the main components that I think is most important for them to know. Because um, it's, it's one thing because, you know, like you had mentioned before, um, it's one thing for them to just do what business is, you know, to mm -hmm. buy something for cheaper, sell it for more, 
you know, create a brand, that, that's okay. That's whatever. But when you lie about it, when you're selling them something that it, it isn't the truth, that's where I have a problem. You're getting a lot of pushback, though, I've seen on some of the Instagram posts. Um, you know, would you say... Are you, are you going to change your strategy about how you're going about it? Oh, yes. Uh, my strategy is continually evolving. And uh, I actually had to take that approach as being uh, confrontational and direct with individual stylists as part of uh, ex- expanding the communication platforms that, that I was able to speak to people about. And uh, that, that's actually one of the things that helped me, like, spread the truth and spread the word about the situation. But... Uh, now it's it's transitioning over into the uh, educational and informational component of the equation and reducing the level of attacks that are being involved yes they are still taking place against uh, uh, salons and stylists who speak out for the brand but I'm not I'm reducing the amount of um, I'm reducing the effort in doing so like revealing it to the public even though it's still taking place because Whenever they're socially networked, guess what? Their social network platforms are also my social networking platforms. So I play that to my advantage like as much as I possibly can. And Hanzo is actually hiding behind these people. They expect these people to speak up in defense of them. And those guys are hiding away and expecting everyone else to take the blame and take the brunt of the uh, the impact. So if they want to if they wanted to take that strategy then that's just the approach that I had left. And you will see recently most of my campaigns have actually been directed toward uh, premier show groups and uh, Howard Britt uh, specifically. I informed Howard Britt of the uh, of the fraud that was going on. I provided him uh, documentation and information sources pertaining to that he bumped it down to like one of his uh, VPs Ed and Ed got in touch with me and I gave him all the I gave him a good bit of the information that I had including like other references in the industry who could verify what it is I'm saying and could provide an extreme degree of like information because I'm not the first person who spoke out against them but I am the first person who spoke out against them and and been effective on the national level so I gave him a point of contact for this, and I also gave him a point of contact for an individual who is in the process of initiating a uh, sexual harassment claim against one of their uh, company leaders. This victim knows who they are, and they know who the person who assault, sexually assaulted them is. And I'm not going to put their names out there just yet, just because of the variables involved in the situation. But We'll say alleged for now. Alleged, yes. And... Uh, and I, I informed uh, premier show groups of this. They did not get in contact with the information sources that I listed, and I'm willing to bet money that they did not spend much time at all investigating the the, uh, the references that I gave them. They did not contact the references, actually. I can go ahead and say that because I verified this. And they also jumped to uh, ban me from premier Birmingham prior to even investigating like the information that I gave them. So this is all about money and hiding the truth. So don't tuck, tell, and run because the truth exceeds any monetary value. And if I was saying anything that was not true, these guys have money, power, and influence. They'd be able to shut me up in a heartbeat. But guess what? They haven't yet. But they're trying. They're trying extremely hard. It sounds like, uh, from what you told me, you've had a few threats against yourself. 
Yeah, uh, I've I've had like numerous threats, that, like just it's dumb little things here and there. Uh, one of them was some guy saying he wanted to uh, wanted to fight me on the beach down in Florida, and then there was another one. Some guy said he he, he helps my local rep cuts my dick off with a thirteen tooth texturizer, and uh, yeah. yeah, like I said, it's it's actually hilarious from uh, that standpoint because I'm not the kind of person you make threats to like that. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing it does is make me get even more loud. More fuel for the fire. Oh yeah. Um, okay, and so yeah, you covered the fact that you know, they are trying to keep you suppressed. They, they kept you out of Birmingham premiere, which is a big hair show here. Uh, I, I've I've actually never heard of anyone being banned from a hair show, and I was whenever I first started this and got in contact. Uh, with Premiere and purchased my tickets, I posted on social media, hey, I got tickets, I want to be there, and I'll see everybody there. Yeah. I reached out to one of my industry contacts out in Los Angeles. He's known as one of the biggest industry gurus in that area. All the major educators, national level and international educators, they know this guy. He's their point of reference that they use for information and whatnot. But uh, I actually told him, I was like, I'll bet money that they're going to ban me from Birmingham. And he, he said, I doubt it because Hanzo does not have that kind of pull. Hanzo is one of the biggest corporate sponsors of that event in Birmingham now, so they're all protecting their income sources. Right. And their claim was that you're a danger. Yes, they labeled me as a threat to the safety and comfort of the uh, stylists and uh, vendors who are going to be attending the event. I do not see how I have ever been a threat to anyone regarding these situations and circumstances. Yes. I'm a combat veteran. Yes, I'm a, a paratrooper. Yes, I do not, or no, I do not take shit. But as far as being a threat to anyone, I have not once made a single threat to any single person regarding this situation. Yeah. I think that's important for the record. Oh, yeah. You know, like I said, it's extremely important. That's the kind of person I am, like morally and ethically. I, I, I post on Facebook every now and then, like I'll give $1,000 to the first person who says I've lied to, cheated, or wronged anybody. Because that's not something that I do. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Um, let's talk about the uh, hashtag usage. Oh yes, hashtags—they are a beautiful thing. Uh, it all started off. Uh, it was early on in my campaign. Whenever I started it up, I started just tagging like little sarcastic things here and there, like hashtag send the cease, send assist. Uh, and then, then I jumped, but, but I knew Hanzo wasn't going to send a cease and assist because part of the legal process is discovery, or is discovery. With discovery, it's, it's basically digging up dirt on like the other people and finding out what all is involved and what all information can be subpoenaed that be relevant to the equation. Hanzo knew that this would happen. I knew that this would happen because I'm networked with the, the industry leaders like across the country. They, they've walked me, th they, they've hand guided me through the strategies and steps that Hanzo is going to take against me. But uh, they just have never been able to uh, speak out in a way that's uh, as efficient as what I've done. Okay. Um, and so, you know, you, you have this uh, hashtag handle or whatever. Hashtag, oh, yeah. hashtag uh, the fall of Hanzo. Yeah. And so when you started using that, they tried to cover it up. Yes, they they are they try to label themselves as being geniuses in regard to uh, the uh, the use of marketing and whatnot to their own advantage. But one of the things that they did was they uh, actually started selling sweatpants and or sweatsuits 
and they started using my hashtag, the fall of Hanzo, in an attempt to uh, bury it in social media, which is actually kind of funny because, like I said, I am just the sarcastic type who just literally has no, no stop here. Like, the day that I saw them on there, I had them printed out and framed, so... That's just what I am. That's what I do. This is a trophy that's going to go on my wall after all the situations settled out. Maybe even order you some. Oh yeah, I actually <laughs> tried ordering some. Uh, I gave them a call and I told them I didn't have an account with them. Um, so they started taking down my information. I told them my first name, my last name, and I heard a click. So yeah, they don't want anything to do with me. So they're in, they're very aware of who you are. Yeah, their entire brand knows who I am. And uh. Oh, actually, uh, just last week, they, they had an educational event at a uh, barbershop in the Charlotte area. Uh, uh, like, this is one of the things, like, I don't really put out there too, too heavily. But, uh, yeah, I made it, made it a point to uh, show up there, not, not necessarily walking the barbershop into an event to which I did not purchase a ticket to. But I went walking by smoking a cigarette, and sure enough, the uh, sales rep, he was aware of me being there, or was he was aware of the fact that I may be there. He made eye contact with me. He stopped his presentation. He came flying out the door to talk to me. Now that's another thing with as far as the sales reps goes. There are many people inside of their uh, inside of their brand who are not aware of the actual fraud that's involved in the equation. Now this rep was a different rep from the one who made the uh, different uh, harassment and sexual harassment and death threats and stuff like that, like claims against me. And uh, now, he's, he's very well established, like one-to-one, -one, me and him, like, run parallel as far as, like, professionalism. He actually has a couple years on me, like, in regard to, like, the, the experience he has being licensed. He's, he's licensed as a stylist. He's licensed, I believe he's licensed as an instructor as well. And uh, he, he's uh, very good about the brand. He is, he has a compartmentalized mindset to where he markets the uh, networking and educational platforms as being the advantage and the fact that they're overpriced is not necessarily a disadvantage from his perspective because he thinks that they're buying into these platforms to be networked like within the industry to ensure success of individual stylists which is uh it's a little backhanded and a little underhanded if their profit margins were a little lower then it would make perfect sense but being hyperinflated and buying a, a scissor for 15 dollars and selling it for as high as 2873 dollars that just makes me sick to think about so it sounds like you had a conversation with him. Oh, yeah. we, we civil? Yes, it was uh, very civil. We, we left everything just wishing each other good luck. He was uh, – he took the uh, – he, he had it planted in his mindset that I was doing this to promote myself and to promote my business. But I actually made it clear to him that I put a very tight restriction on my own sales and services and – he, I think he was blown away by that fact because it's not something that I was doing to promote myself. If I was doing it to promote myself, I would simply make mass orders out from the same company in China for the exact same scissors made out of better alloys and sell them for, uh, at a lower price. That's what I would do, but that's not what I'm in this thing for. I'm in this to end the fraud and spread the truth. Oh, the trade, yes, with the, uh, the shears. It was a few years ago was whenever Hanzo was running their uh, campaign called The Trade where they were uh, taking in uh, shear donations and money donations to uh, help uh, finance uh, the opportunities for people who were living in uh, different countries that had limited life, uh, life options. They were stuck in a system of uh, 
say like perpetual sexual abuse and things like that and human trafficking and uh, they they marketed it as the best thing ever like taking uh, scissor donations and money donations to help grow the uh, their, their opportunity in life to be able to expand beyond that but one of the things that like I was suspicious of but then I started seeing uh, pictures of their uh, scissor throne disappearing off of social media and soon after that I actually had it verified by an insider yes I have multiple insiders with Hanzo because a lot of people in that industry or in that business want to cover their ass from both ends so uh, you're going to there's a lot of people who will slip insider information, but they, they inform me of the fact that the scissor throne that you may see on social media, it's being hidden, like extremely efficient now. That's made with uh, a good portion of those donate, donated shears. And you're probably thinking, well, maybe those are just leftovers and whatnot. Well, part of their campaign for taking up those shears was if they weren't using them, they would actually pass them on to other organizations who would be able to use them. That wasn't what they did. So if that's what they did with the scissors, it makes me second guess what it was they did with the money. Now, speaking of the money component of the equation, Hanzo operates with uh, approximately between an 8,000 to 15,000% profit margin. But uh, five years ago, uh, they they brought in a CFO. His name's Ray Salomon. And uh, he, he, was, he was able to uh, get their finances like uh, configured to where they now operate on a series of perpetual credit. So... Uh, the business itself is operated on credit. The revenue that comes in, I don't know where that's going. For all I know, it's getting squandered or hidden away. And there, my, my assumption is, this is an assumption, this isn't like based in fact, is that they are uh, simply doing this to grow their uh, networking and then hyperinflate their own valuation and then sell out to another brand in order to pay off those debts. That's just an assumption, though. But like I said, that's that's... That's not supported by fact. That's just speculation. Well, just to play devil's advocate, you know, would it be uh, a concern to us where their profit goes? Or why would it be a concern to us where their profit goes? Like, I know personally me, um, it bothers me that they're making a lot of money for something that's fraudulent. But just to play devil's advocate, say they weren't fraudulent, you know, that would be a normal business, right? It's like whatever you do with your profit is your thing, right? Yeah. But would you say this bothers you, the fact that they're making so much money? Yeah, that's a, that's a standard business model. You, you, you have a product, you sell that profit for a profit. Uh, you sell the product for a profit. But uh, in regard to them, it's, it, it goes back to the element of deception of the individual stylist because many people – and it's, it, it hurt, like, whenever I first started this campaign, but to walk into a salon and explain to somebody, like, how what they invested in was not the value of the product that they got. And uh, specifically just uh, country of origin labeling on their shears. Whenever you can show them, like, on an actual uh, Japanese shear, like, this says made in Japan, because that's a badge of honor, like, in the scissor industry. Uh, you look at Hanzo's, they have nothing on them. You have their business symbol and their model number. Everything else is lacking. And yes, this actually does violate uh, Federal Trade Commission regulations, which is also why I'm also pushing people to uh, make a complaint with the FTC whenever they are made aware of the situation. That's just one of the things like I've been asking people to do. There are a couple other different steps to it. I, if you actually, uh, <clears throat> if, you, if you owe money to Hanzo, 
I'm going ahead and putting it out there to uh, go ahead and call your bank and or card and cancel or make a stop payment with that payment arrangement. And then call the FTC, make a complaint, call the Better Business Bureau, make a complaint, send an email to Hanzo Corporate, which is mail at Hattori Hanzo Shears, I believe, uh, dot com. Or maybe mail at Hattori Hanzo dot com. I'll double check on that one. And uh, Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's all about having it documented because they are actually starting to uh, credit people's account for their remaining balance. No, they have not started issuing refunds for the amounts paid, but that is another issue which uh, I have no uh, legal affiliation to it because I have put a hold on seeking a, a civil suit against them because making a social media campaign is far more efficient in regards to hitting their bottom line because if I approached them from the legal component of the equation, they would spend the next few months or possibly years just raking in profit left and right while I was having to sit around silent waiting on the legal process to take place. Uh, I said, screw that. So it's all about uh, networking and getting the word out there and the truth. Yes, I still have this in my back pocket for the uh, uh, defamation suit for their local rep. But it is not a card that I'm playing, and I have no affiliation to the uh, legal component of the consumer fraud of the equation. So if you or someone you know is is a very, like, been ripped off, like, big time by these guys, I recommend you get in contact with a lawyer. I, this would be a consumer rights lawyer. Based on your individual states, uh, it, could, it could vary. But uh, that's another reason why I made it a point to come down to Birmingham. Because in this state, they have a reward that's up to 300% of the uh, monetary damages that are acquired through consumer fraud. Which means if a person paid $1,000 for their scissors from Hanzo, they could go to court and get back as much as $3,000. So, it's a beautiful thing. And there are rights and protections out there for you guys. So, uh, don't second guess yourself and um, like give a call uh, get the, and just get the word out to different people. And a little pro tip, whatever you're uh, calling for a lawyer, uh, if a lawyer asks for a retainer prior to you giving, like, even the most simple outline to the situations or circumstances involved, uh, just take up the phone on them. Because, uh, yeah, good lawyers, they want to know what they're dealing with first, and then they want to know if they can help you. And then they'll, that's whenever, like, the money uh, part comes into the equation. But if you're asked for money before you even tell them your problem, yeah, just hang up the phone. It's not worth your time. issue refunds to everybody that would be what would make me happy but there is no money there like i said they're really 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 deep in the hole and even if there was a class action settlement made tomorrow hanzo would just resort to bankruptcy and not paying out a single penny and this could cost me like if i was to initiate the legal action this this could be well into the six figures so that's another reason why i've been hesitant to initiate the legal component of the equation but there are also other variables involved that could relate other brands and manufacturers into the consumer fraud element of the equation, which is what I've actually been targeting premier groups and specifically Howard Britt uh, regarding this uh, situation because they're, in being part of the cover-up, they could be part of the financial liability of the equation. Is there anything else you want to cover? I think that was it. Oh, who is this? Who's that? Oh yeah, what's up buddy?
Yeah, oh, pretty good. I'm living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> wait, what? Hey, wait, what? Sorry, I got background noise. I'm here in a restaurant. Oh yeah. Why, why do you think that? You're just never going to win because you're so misinformed. It's hilarious. How am I misinformed? What have I put out there that's not the truth? You're just misinformed. The scissors, the scissors are made in Japan, brought to China because it's cheaper to ship them to the United States. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, where's the manufacturer located at? Japanese shears proudly display their country or city of origin in Japan. Nope. Hanzo doesn't do that. Why not? Because they don't want... They, they like the aesthetic of the scissor as is. They don't need it. Okay, then how am I wrong? Why haven't you guys initiated some uh, uh, civil action against me? Don't worry, it's coming. I'll be waiting. You do realize I have half of the industry in my back pocket, right? No, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> you have a good day now, man. Yeah, no, I will be talking soon. Okay. I don't know. I was going to say, uh, I wanted to hear more. Did he have anything of value to say? Well, that, that, like, no. Yeah, this is recording. Well. Okay, did get, okay, good, thank God. Uh, no, it's just basically that. That's their excuse, like, oh, we're made in Japan. Uh, I was like, oh, already going out. Well, that's, that's why you ask him, like, Japan, Japanese manufacturers, they proudly display their uh, uh, their city of, like, origin and production and whatnot. Now, even if Hanzo was, like, produced and based, like, in, they, they try to say that they're made in Japan, the blades are made in Japan, the handles are made in Korea, and that they are assembled in China and then shipped to their headquarters out in California, then individually inspected and packaged for uh, sales and or for, packaged for distribution to sales to the uh, stylist. Okay, so okay, so that's that's their explanation. That that's that's what they try to say it is. They have nothing. Their their uh, scissor blades or th their products they're labeled as uh, j they they put Japanese steel on their uh, on their boxes. They try to say they're Japanese. They're so as the much. That's what they try to say. But their blades are as much Japanese as Little Debbie Swiss rolls are made in Switzerland. <laughs> okay, so. And so your claim would be they're definitely, the blades are definitely not Japanese. They're all manufactured in the same facility and they use the lowest grade of steel that Yonghe actually offers for mass production, which is the 9CR13 alloy. 9CR13, which is a little step underneath like the other metals, like a AUS8. You don't really hear much about that, like on the American market, but then it goes up to uh, 440, uh, 440Cs and then you get up into the V1s and VG10s. Well. Hanzo uses the lowest one they can get a hold of, which is the uh, 9CR13. 9CR13, I'm going to get technical here, but I'm not trying to uh, go over anybody's head. 9CR13 is an alloy that was created to mimic the characteristics of uh, 440C, which is the industry standard for hair shears. And most of the time, it, it actually can match that, like almost one for one. And that's why a lot of the people are like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. These Hanzos are great. Well... What it boils down to is uh, proper formulation and proper tempering of the uh, of the metal whenever it's being produced. If if that's if that's all done right and proper, yes, it does mimic a 440C. 
but if it's if it's not manufactured and or tempered correctly then the metal does not maintain its structural integrity and this structural integrity can also be degraded by the methods of sharpening that they use at their own factory which which damages the the actual uh the the molecular uh integrity of the blade that it's gained through the tempering process they grind that off and then they expose the softer metal underneath which is why a lot of people they think they're great and then they send them off for sharpening they come back all shiny and pretty and look brand new but then they start using them and they go dull within possibly as little as a matter of weeks uh, i have direct experience with sharpening these shears as well because uh they they have a mass production model that they use out in california for their sharpening and uh Whenever they uh, do this, they're not able to pay attention to like the little details and whatnot, and they have to rush through the job. Whenever they do that, they damage the blades, and they go dull. And one shop that I have, everybody in there, their scissors went dull within three weeks. That's, that's what made me start digging. But that's before I realized the, the truth in its entirety. But that's, that's one of the things that really, really had me digging. What I really wanted you to do was call them out and say, well, then how can I buy your shears from China, from a Chinese manufacturer? Yeah. Because, I mean, you can go on Alibaba. Yeah. And you can find these shears. And it says explicitly that they're all made in China, right? Yeah. Uh, they, they, they put the labeling on their products that, they, that, they're, that the people who buy them want to. With the way that the trade regulations work, China is under no kind of uh, federal regulation to uh, put any kind of labeling on the products that they make. That, that assumption of liability is assumed by the importer. They have to ensure that they're properly labeled prior to distribution. Uh, and uh, yes, the uh, Yonghe, uh, a generic label for the shears that they have is Mikey or Mike, M-Y-K-E, shears. Uh, feel free to Google this and you'll be able to see like basically all of your Hanzos pop up there. And uh, Yes, some of them come with different uh, handle configurations or tension adjustment options, but these are Hanzos, no questions asked. They, they, they switch around the handles here and there. They have their own tension mechanism that they use, which is that uh, split uh, tension screw that you got to use the wrench with. Uh, and that's where they're from. I mean, you can look them up yourself. This isn't me hiding anything. This is public information but they've been just extremely efficient in hiding it and suppressing it with their marketing strategies and the, the other brands that they're cross-marketed with, that gives them the ability to neutralize any element of doubt in the equation. So stylists don't even second guess them because they're like, oh, they're, they, they're like this other brand, you see their posts with them all the time. Well, that just gets rid of all the doubt that a lot of the stylists have had. I say have is in past tense because the truth's getting out now. And yeah, they're in the process of imploding. So, it is what it is. Wow, that's good, man. That's good yeah. So I'll, I'm leaving it on right quick. Um, I I am gonna go up to them and I'm gonna tell them I would like their side of the story. Um, would it be okay if I tell them that I talked to you, or would you prefer that? I yeah, they absolutely. Their entire brand knows me. The, Every, like everybody within them like pretty much all their distribution guys except for the ones like out in the middle of nowhere uh i did have an issue with their uh sales guy out in kansas like later on in the situation apparently hanzo didn't uh tell them about like who i was or what i was doing and uh he, he decided to pop up out of nowhere and 
that their reps are dropping left and right. Another one up in Redmond, Washington. Uh, apparently, he replaced a former rep that I outed uh, just maybe like a week, not even two weeks prior to that. Uh, but he saw the Hattori Hanzo shears and added me on Facebook, and I tried to introduce myself, and he, said, he didn't know what I was talking about. So I told him, your sales figures are going to be dropping over the next few weeks, and I'm the reason why. Hmm. I don't even think that they're going to talk to me, though. No, they're not going to say anything about the issue. They're extremely yeah. quiet, even whenever you try to call them out. I've tried calling them out on social media, like, like over and over and over and over again. Like... Like, like, like you have the, the Klein guys, the McCarley guy, their their CFO Ray Salomon, uh, let's see here, and then their uh, customer service manager, I put that in quotes, uh, Dan Lorraine. So uh, yeah, I've tried calling each and every one of them out. They have no uh, public uh, means to address the situation or circumstances because doing so is only going to result in their own downfall. So that's that's the way I've had it configured. And it's actually been beautiful the way it's been working out because each and every defensive measure they've tried to put in place has actually came back and worked against them from the very beginning. Every, everything they've tried to do, like from the false false claims from the local rep to the Hanzo Nation guys trying to blast me on social media, up to the, the, the death threats that came around from like, or threats to my own safety and welfare from around the country. Uh, like I said, it all just works out, out against them. And even whenever they had uh, premier show uh, groups try to cover them, that worked out against them too because that opened up the door for me to use the premier uh, social networking platforms to spread my own message. So every last thing works out against them. Yep. And one last <laughs> time, go over any, con uh, any contact information that if anyone has anything that information to add or if anyone wants to just find out some more information yes 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 i am i'm open to any and all questions i answer i answer questions from the most skeptical of stylists uh, all the way up to people who are just like oh my god what can i do uh you can reach me at my personal facebook page which is uh facebook.com slash avery a-v-e-r-y dot sharp s-h-a-r-p-e or you can also reach me on my uh, Instagram page, which is uh, right now it's being called the fall of Hanzo, all one word. Uh, like I said, if you have any questions or any doubt, don't hesitate to reach out for one second. I've, that's, that's, I just sat here to get the information out to people and I'm doing anything and everything I can to do so. And I've risked, uh, I put a lot on the line to be able to do this and I've been successful at it. I have industry leaders who literally call me and thank me for what I uh, what I am doing and what I have done. And you're probably wondering why they don't do so publicly. Well, that's all rooted in the element of corporate interest. Corporate interests are a thing that a lot of people don't like to acknowledge, but the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of brands don't have the option of uh, going public on the issue. And a lot of their reps who are affiliated with these brands cannot speak out so publicly because in doing so, it would be seen as a representation of their own respective brands. And in do by doing that, and even though it is just their own individual opinions, it could hit that brand's own bottom line. So you're not going to see this being publicized at the corporate level, uh, regardless of the situation. Most of them have been made aware of the situation. I call around, I send emails, I add people on Facebook. Like I said, feel, feel free to scope out my Facebook page. Like I said, you go through my friends list and you'll see a lot of the higher ups in the industry are actually keeping very close tabs on what's going on right now.